Welcome to the Black Knight Nation podcast, your source for the latest information about your Army Black Knights, with your host, Sal Interdonato. Hey, what's up, Black Knight Nation? We're here on a Sunday night to talk some Army football with Dan and James from As for Football. They uh, cover Army football uh, very well for their website. And we're going to have some fun breaking down our top 10 Army football players for the 2020 season. We're each going to have a list and uh, we're going to break down who we thought were the best players for Army this season, a 9 and 3 season, a season that, you know, at first, who knew how many games were going to be on the schedule? And they, it turned out to be one of the more memorable seasons uh, in Army. Uh, football recent years so uh you can follow us on all the podcast platforms we are on uh amazon we are on google we're everywhere i don't we're um on spotify and also apple and um yeah follow us on uh, youtube and if you guys if you have any comment comments or um rankings you want to throw in your rankings in the chat please uh send them to us and we'll uh entertain those two on tonight um first welcome james and dan thanks for hopping on yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Uh, we're just going to uh, – each of us are going to run through our top ten Army players, and then we're going to have some conversation as to why or what we had right uh, uh, the same and what we had a little different. So, Dan, you can go first with your top ten. I'm, I'm interested – you, you uh, pumped up this on Twitter, so I'm, I'm interested to hear what you got what you have. So. <laughs> well, yeah, so I think that this list is going to be controversial for a couple of reasons, uh, not least of which is that there is not a quarterback on this list. So um, you start five different quarterbacks and play six, and and I think it's a little difficult to say, you know, this is the one guy we couldn't win without. Uh, There was very good play at the quarterback position at times, uh, more often than not, uh, but I putting this together and and trying to figure out which quarterback to put on it, and I went through 10 and didn't get one. So for me at number 10, I had punter Zach Harding. Uh, He was a serious weapon. I would argue that he had a case – to be the MVP of the Army-Navy game. At number nine, we had uh, defensive back Jabari Moore. Uh, Moore, in this case, is sort of standing in for the entire secondary, although when Astro Football put together our list of the top 13 plays of the season, Moore was in two of them. He had the intercepted uh, intercepted pitch six from Cincinnati and also the uh, interception in the end zone against Air Force that were two of the biggest plays of the season. So that's kind of why he got the nod there. At number eight, I had fullback Jacoby Buchanan. At number seven, defensive lineman Kwabina Bonsu, uh, who is one of my favorite players to watch. At number six, tight end Chris Cameron, arguably the best player on the offense, but uh, nevertheless, I have him here at six. At number five, linebacker Eric Smith. At number four, defensive lineman uh, linebacker Amadeo West. At number three, Nolan Cockrell, uh, nose tackle. At number two, offensive guard Mike Johnson. And at number one, linebacker John Radigan, who uh, was a second-team All-American and at least one of the standings. So I thought that was amazing. Well, that's that's an interesting list. A couple guys I don't have <laughs> on my list, Dan. So, uh, James, you're up. Sure. I did not uh, never mind one through ten or ten through one, whatever you want to do. But I have mine split up uh, offense, defense, special teams. Um, I was thinking about going five and four, uh, five offense, defense, but with – how well the defense did this year and how well Zach Harding did this year. Um, I did five defense, four offense, and a punter. So on offense, I had Jacoby Buchanan, uh, Tyrell Robinson, uh, Tyre Tyler, 
Sandin McCoy. On defense, I have John Radigan, Eric Smith, Jabari Moore, Markel Broughton, Cedric Cunningham, uh, Cunningham Jr., and then Zach Harding, the punter. And I'm happy to go through some of those that uh, I, you know you might not have on your list, Dan and, and Sal. Yeah, you definitely you definitely went a little heavier into the secondary than I did. I, I don't necessarily yes. disagree. It was just it, it, those guys rotated in and out so often it was a little hard to right. think about who made what place where. You know what, I'll, Dan, you um, prompted me to change my list on the fly. Because, <laughs> because you have a good point with the quarterbacks, you know, and sometimes you feel like, you know, just because Army, it's Army's offense, you have to put a quarterback on the list, right? So I'm going to go with 10, Terrell Robinson. Nine is going to be Jabari Buchanan. I have, I have Zach Harding, eight. I have Zach Harding, hmm, eight. Okay. Seven, I have Markel Broughton. Six, I have Mike Johnson. Five, I have Jabari Moore. Um, four, I have Nolan Cockrell. Three, I have Cedric Cunningham. Two, I have Eric Smith. And number one, I have John Radigan. So uh, we agreed with we agreed with John Radigan as number one. And um, yeah, I mean, originally I did have a quarterback on that list, but um, what, thinking right now, I, I had Terrell Robinson on 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 the outside, like he would have been my number eleven. And I just mm. think that what he brought to the offense as a game changer um, was pretty va- pretty valuable to an offense that sometimes had had, had struggled to, to reach the end zone and against the that's better true. teams, you know, against the better teams. So, uh, yeah, so that's that's my top 10. Um, now, I guess we can really talk about what we had, you know, similar, what we might have had different and, uh, you know, that kind of that kind of conversation. I mean, uh, Bonzu, Bonzu, you know, what? W- I like I like I like the pick. I like the pick to be honest with you. What 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 um what made you go well, in that if, direction? So if you think about the way Army's defense plays, not to get all not to get all Army on you, but I when I watch the game, I it sort of takes me into the same headspace that being a tank platoon leader sort of took me into. So think about it in terms of the way that their their defensive line works. It's a it's a three four. So the defensive line is essentially trying to fix the offense in place to allow their linebackers to sort of maneuver around and make plays, right? This is why you see guys like Eric Smith and John Radigan and Cole Christensen and just all these linebackers flying around to make plays because when the defensive line is doing its job, it's it's enabling those guys to get into this open space and make those plays. And uh, But uh, Bonsu and Cockrell both in the inside have been better than that, right? They've been able to actually get penetration right into the heart of the the offense, which is a thing that Army's defense has not been good at really ever before, I would say, you know, the last couple of years. And this year, I think they were probably better than ever. Um, so, yeah, you know, he he brings a level of athleticism and just strength to that position that I don't think Army's seen very often. And when he wasn't in there, I thought you, you saw that too. I mean, I, I thought that made a difference. Yeah, I think in the past too, right? Army sometimes Army would go with one defensive lineman or two defensive linemen in some sets, especially yeah. when Bate, Bateman was the DC, right? Sometimes you just saw Ray Wright up there with Wombio Toga, and that was it. This year they were able to rotate six guys in, right? I mean, pretty yeah. much rotate six guys. And I look at you know you have Amadeo West also on your list, right? You and right. So another defensive lineman. And, um, you know, Amadeo's contributions, not just on the field, but also, you know, off the field have to count for something. That's why I had Mike Johnson on my list because Mike Johnson, I mean, yeah, the offense wasn't the greatest this year as far as, you know, um, 
scoring against the really good teams, but Mike Johnson was that constant on the offensive line, right? I mean, they, he was the be- best offensive lineman, I thought. They played a very conservative offensive scheme almost the whole year. And I think if Christian Anderson had been under center from start to finish without getting hurt, that would not have been the case. Um, the, you know, the game plan that they played at Army Navy was a game plan that you play when you have a sophomore quarterback and his second start in the fog. It wasn't like this is all we can do. It's like this is the this is the plan that gives us the best chance to win. And I, my only critique of the whole season, really, you can see in the bowl game against West Virginia is, you know, they ran some of the more like they ran the midline triple option where he fakes the fakes the give to the fullback and then turns around and pitches it almost straight back to to a slot back, um, you know, the triple off the midline. That's, I think that might have been the only time they ran that all season. Um, but you used to see Bradshaw run that occasionally, and even in the snow at Army-Navy, because they would trust him to do that. So uh, I, I don't know that I'm ready to blame it on any, you know, sort of the offense on anything except injuries. And and they know they've got a good defense, and so they're just trying to sort of manage as best they can. And they got nine wins. You know, frustrating as it was, that's how you win nine games. Yeah, You did see a lot of the midline earlier in the year before Christian Anderson got hurt. Yeah. Um, you, you saw, you know, at least in the first few games, I know there are likely a lot more called, uh, you know, options. Um, yeah, I, call yeah, yeah. It, I, I call it wildcat light. Um, but <laughs> the uh, you, you did see a, a lot of call plays just because it's early in the year. I think another part of that was not only are we on quarterback number, you know, you know pick your five. number. You're yeah. right. Um, you're, you're taking a team that didn't have a sufficient summer camp and you're putting them into one of the most complex, uh, you know, offenses yeah. in football and, and saying, yeah. run it. And, and, oh, by the, not- yeah. and oh, by the way, the guy starting under center for you started at slot back. So he took zero reps <laughs> right. all over the summer. And, 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 and if you look at other triple option teams this year, it was relatively similar results or worse. So the mm-hmm. fact that army was the best triple option team this year, and they weren't really a triple option team. They were a wildcat light team. Fine, I'll take it. Yeah, Dan. Another another one of your choices, Chris Cameron. You know, I, I, and you I just go into your go into your decision on Chris Cameron because Chris well, Cameron yeah. is a guy, a valuable guy. So he he is he is probably the best tight end they've had at Army since I've been following the team. I mean, he is a an elite level blocker, and he catches the ball pretty well out of the backfield. I mean, I don't know what else you can ask a guy to do. He he strikes me as the kind of guy who probably had a lot of choices and came to Army because if you want to play football and you also want to be a commissioned officer, you have to go to a service academy, like full stop. That's that's the only way to do it. So, um, yeah, man, I, I just think he's one of the best players on the team and definitely one of the best players on the offense. Yeah, He's, he's, he's one of the few guys – on the offense, like Terrell Robinson, who you can say, I'm going to use this guy and create a matchup problem on the other side. And usually we have to scheme. But but in his case, like he's actually got the size and speed and athleticism to create an honest-to-God matchup problem. Yeah, his dad, Cam, was a, a, a college and pro football coach forever. So there's a good yeah. pedigree there. It seems like the game comes easy to him, right? I mean, yeah, you look well, at it, like he's dragging – he's a practically dragging – I hear Tyler into the end zone on that one touchdown in, in, the, in the third quarter of the bowl game, right? He's basically yeah. carrying him into yeah. the end zone. I mean, yeah, he just, he's just a good, good, smart, smart football player. So, yeah. And, and, you know, most of the time what they ask those tight ends to do is to, to go out and block and, and to get out and, and like 
in space and, and block sa uh, safeties and stuff. But this is a guy who can really catch the ball and move the chains. And I would be really surprised if we don't see more of that next season. I'd be really surprised. Only hope with more pass. You got to throw the ball yeah. a little bit more just to keep defenses. We, we could talk about this every podcast almost. Keep the defenses honest. You have guys that. Well, know, again, yeah. Look at, especially in the Army-Navy game, they they played a specific game plan. Like, the way Navy was set up, they were right on the line of scrimmage. It's not like Brent Davis couldn't figure out that the pass was there. He just he just didn't want to do it. Like, he just didn't want to risk it in the fog. Like, yeah. like he knew everything. Like, he saw it, he, you know. By the yeah. way, Air Force came into the Army Air Force game with the same mentality, and so did Army, by the way. Yeah, yeah. And they, they started playing, and – in the late third quarter, Air Force said, all right, we're not doing this anymore. We're going to throw the damn ball. And they did. And they scored and very they easily. Lost. And they were a Jabari Moore interception away oh, yeah. from sealing the game up on another pass. So, um, like, Air Force decided, hey, we're not going to do this. And they did make that mistake. And they lost the game. And that's why RB said, we're not doing it. We, we yeah. know mistakes like that can happen. You look at next year, Cameron coming back. If get yeah. Isaiah get Isaiah Alston healthy, right? I mean, yeah. you got all your wide receivers back. Hopefully, I mean, Mike Roberts showed flashes here and there. So does Reckon Reckon Donaldson also did. Use those guys. Don't just use them to block. You know, I don't know. I just yeah, we, that's a conversation for another <laughs> podcast probably and stuff. Uh, but, I, I, you know. We all had Zach Harding on our list, and yeah, that's not something often you can say you can have an Army specialist on your top ten list for, for players, right? I can't remember the last time I might have had one. Um, James, just go into your thinking with Zach Harding and why you, you had him on there. Yeah, so he actually – his punt average went down from last year by about five yards, um, but his accuracy went straight up. He, the, he Here's the stat line that sealed him in the top ten for me. He had 17 punts downed inside the 20 yard line and wow. two touchbacks, two wow. touchbacks the entire season. So this is a guy who, again, 17 punts inside the 20 and it only went to the end zone twice. Like that's, that is superb. It's the reason that we won the field position battle all season long. There was one game where I felt like we didn't have the field position battle, which was Tulane. Mm -hmm. um, and then in the second half of the bowl game, I felt like we didn't have it after the onsides kick. But other than that, if Zach Harding had a say in the field position game, we were winning, and he was extremely consistent. He was the one part of the special teams. I mean, the special teams was fantastic all year long, especially with blocking kicks, but that's all sporadic. That You can't count on that. It's, it ha when it happens, it's great. Zach Harding was a special team player who was consistent from Middle Tennessee State through the Liberty Bowl. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I wrote in some games you could – put them right up in the top of the names for game MVP in some of the games that they play, especially the tighter games. You can have his name. Like if he didn't get the special teams ball, I don't know who else you would have given it to. You <laughs> know Air I mean? Force comes to mind. Yeah. Except maybe the one time what Wilson Coteau had that one, you know, 40, that big run on this, on the fake, maybe you could give it to Wilson Coteau, but um, yeah, I mean, he was so consistent. Uh, uh, is there anybody that surprises you, James, on any of our list or any of, of, of the players that might have been on the edge of your list that maybe did not? Yeah, uh, I think Amadeo West was on the edge of my list. That push against um, that push against uh, Navy on on fourth and goal from yeah. the inch line was certainly a massive play. Um, 
Although I think, again, I, I sort of didn't want to put I, – I couldn't justify putting any of any one of those guys on the list ahead, some, ahead of some of those stat leaders. Uh, but I certainly appreciate how good the defensive line was this year. But I think a lot of it was the holistic defensive line, not an individual player. I think I had Mike Broughton was the one player that neither of you guys had. He's on the list for me because he led the team in solo tackles, you know, 40, which is just unreal. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I put him on my list. Um, he had a forced fumble and, and two interceptions as well. So um, I put him on there. But I, I'm not trying to diss the defensive line at all. I, I certainly think that it's the best one we've seen in a long time. Yeah, I think a guy on, on my edge of my list is a guy who really played – I mean, played a lot in the bowl game, was in the rotation, Ryan Durand. Ryan Duran made a difference mm-hmm. in games. You know, he had three – I think he had three blocks, block mm-hmm. kicks or punts or extra points or whatever you want to call it. I got bowl game. I mean, he – West Virginia had a hard time blocking him. They were holding him almost on every play. He had a sack, a fumble recovery. And he's a guy, you look at his stats, just like those tackle, Cockrell, 28 tackles, you know, right? But seven of no, Nolan's tackles were behind the line of scrimmage. A quarter of his tackles, you look at Duran – Durant made an impact. Like it, I think he's the next next year. He's a guy that probably is definitely on this list. Maybe, yeah. There'll be a lot of defense. There'll be like three defensive line guys on this list next year, probably. Yeah. Well, this team is. Uh, it's amazing how young this team is for the amount of success that they had, especially given what a crazy season it was. You look at sort of the way that the season shook out without a lot of you know spring ball or summer summer prep, and then all these young players coming on and that doesn't necessarily lend itself or suggest that you're about to win nine games and, you know, play a power five team, you know, right to the limit in the bowl game. Yeah. You look at also, you know, on offense, I just didn't think like there really wasn't a a complete standout on offense, especially like a skilled position guy. Right. Because we talked about the quarterbacking, the fullbacks kind of rotated in, and the slot backs um, got, had their opportunities. They, they took a – like a Robinson took advantage when he had his opportunities, but maybe didn't get enough. So there wasn't really one – to me, there wasn't really one true offensive player that stood out and said, here, so I know, the MVP. So. I know I'm the only one with a quarterback on his list, and the other offensive player that I don't think anyone had on my list was Sandin McCoy. So I thought like uh, yeah. I'd defend Tyler and, and McCoy real quick. I don't think I, you need to defend McCoy. I, that's I thought, fair. Yeah. They, I mean, McCoy they, uh, did not yeah. have that many rushing yards. And when he did rush, it was 3.1 yards per carry. But this, like, he was the finisher this year. He he accounted for one quarter of the team's offensive touchdowns. Like, this guy, when it, it came time to put the ball in the end zone, it was Sandon McCoy. And on fourth down, when we were on, you know, uh, against the Air Force on fourth and whatever it was, I, there was a part of me, and I'm glad that this didn't happen, but there was a part of me wishing that Sandy McCoy was the one out there and not Buchanan. Oh, I thought that too, actually. And I think it's, um, you know, after the second fumble against Georgia State, or I'm sorry, against Georgia Southern, when the whole offense looked like it was on the edge of just coming completely unraveled, I don't think it's a surprise that McCoy is the guy that they put in there, to ha- and they handed it off to him twice just to get everybody to settle down. And they – you know, I think they either scored a touchdown on that drive. I think they scored a touchdown on that drive. You know, he's he's also was the best blocking fullback, which is not a small part of a fullback's job. Uh, you know, they made a big deal about that during the Air Force game. And after he went out, not surprisingly, Army really struggled to run 
uh, anything except the fullback at times because you lost your best, you know, blocker, your lead blocker. By the way, the part of me that wanted Sandon McCoy, uh, when I was going back to look at this, uh, I told that part of me that it, it was an idiot because I looked at Buchanan. One of the stat lines I found, he was the only player on Army this year with more than 15 rushing attempts to not lose a single yard. Oh, wow. That's amazing. So um, for – yeah, uh, that that's pretty. I mean, on, on fourth and one, fourth and goal yeah. from from the inch line. That's that's somebody you want in there. Absolutely. Uh, the one guy that I had, since we're talking about fullbacks, that uh, I wanted to put on there but didn't quite have space uh, was Anthony Atkins. I just don't think he got quite enough opportunities, but I think he's got the best athleticism in the fullback room, and I wouldn't be surprised if he sort of has that breakout year. He reminds me so much of uh, Andy Davidson when he runs the ball. Uh, he's just got he's he's actually you wouldn't think it, but he's actually almost as big as Buchanan, but he's, you know, a lot faster. And I don't know if he's quite got the hammerhead mentality, but, it, it, you know, he was out there breaking runs all season, especially against suspect rushing defenses. And he's also the fullback that you can sort of hand it off to to go off tackle and that he's going to make that happen, which some of those other guys didn't necessarily as good as. Adkins definitely has that uh, fall yeah. forward mentality more than I think anyone on the team. I think I, – I'm, I'm not that he played badly this year because I think he played very well, obviously, but I'm waiting for him to take the next step and to be for it to be undeniable. And I think feel like we saw that from Buchanan this year. Um, and I, I wish that Anthony Adkins had gotten a few more touches, though. I personally think that – Something's holding Atkins back. I don't know. I think that is it because you look at the bowl game, right? With Buchanan being out, I thought that was the prime opportunity to get Atkins some more touches, get him involved in the offense more. And I think he he played like I I, I charted. It. He played fourteen plays. He had nine of those plays. He carried the ball, so he pretty pretty much knew if he was going to be in the game, he was going to run it most of the time. And I just thought that man, I thought they would get him more of a run in that game early. And often, and yeah, I, I understand you got McCoy in there and, and you got Cade Bernard, but I thought that he should have been featured more in that ball game a little bit and got more of an opportunity that I don't know if he, an injury or maybe he was banged up or anything. We don't know that, but I yeah. thought that he should have been given. I, more I think there's always going to be a bias towards firsties in bowl games, though. They're always going to try to run the seniors out there and and give them one last go. So it, 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 while I, I share the sentiment, I, I think that's why you saw mostly McCoy. Yeah, well, next year, you know, it's it's basically three to four guys back and maybe throw right. Tyson Riley in there. And who knows what they have coming to, through prep um, this year, too. So um, that's one thing about my list is is eight of the or only two of the 10 guys. So eight of the 10 on my list are returning. So there's only two that are are graduating. Uh, that's yeah. a good question. I have what? One, two, three. I only have three firsties. I'm not sure what year Zach Harding is. He's a cow. He's a junior. Okay. Yeah. So my thing on Tyler Tyler and why he ultimately ended up on my list, he was he was borderline, but I think he ends up on the list is all year long. I was a huge advocate for Cade Ballard. I thought that Ballard, I thought that our offensive line was not doing the job it, it normally does. And that when that's the case, you want a quarterback who's a bruiser. You don't want a quarterback who's open space. You want a quarterback that's going to get hit and gain another two to three yards after it. And, there's one quarterback on our staff that clearly had the body type for that. And it wasn't Tyre Tyler yet all season long. Tyler continued to impress me when he was called on. Yeah. And yeah. I just, I, it, it surprised me. And yeah. I was very pleasantly, I mean, it was a pleasant surprise 
from his first appearance when Christian Anderson went down through the Liberty Bowl. It is crazy because he's such a small guy, and yet you see him pushing the pile like really consistently all season. And uh, yeah, he, he must be an animal in the weight room. His toughness is off the charts. You know, his toughness to me is off the charts. You know, he played through a lot of injury, played through a lot of pain. And you're right. I mean, he could take a hit, take a really hard hit, and still try to move the ball forward, which is something like, you know, if he, if I don't know, I don't know if he has the body type to, to, to have that changeover that Brad Sean Hopkins had, right, in the weight room. I don't know. I don't know if he has the frame to get to where they were, where they were, you know, pushing over 200 pounds and able to take that contact. Still, get, still face some pretty tough hits and even get banged up a lot. Um, we'll see. I think that's what's. We'll see what how it shakes off in the spring with the quarterback. That, that weight room, plus plus the fact that he wasn't working out all summer long as much as you might think because they didn't have that summer camp. I remember walking by Calvin Hopkins and just not recognizing. He was in my major. I knew he was. And I remember walking by him and not recognizing him. Wow. He like tapped me on the shoulder. He's like, dude, what the hell? Like, you didn't say hi? I turned around. Like, oh. <laughs> Did not recognize at all. Too put funny. On, put on some muscle. Yeah. So yeah. Those were the difference for those guys to take their to take their um, high college careers to the next level. So you know, see what Tyler does. You know, uh, Christian Anderson's more of a different type of bo- a body type, right? And does a little bit different things. Some people are calling for Anderson to be be the, the number one quarterback in the spring. So we'll see. Um, it's it's going to be an interesting spring. I I think any of them could reasonably win. I mean, uh, you, you know, a guy I've always thought has arguably the best body type, if nothing else, is Jamel Jones. I mean, he really – there's nothing that he doesn't do well in the offense. He just happened to get hurt when he got his opportunity. But that's, you know – that's not the end of the world. You know, uh, Bradshaw spent a lot of his yearling year hurt and then came back as a cow and was obviously really good. So yeah. um, uh, I think I I would assume that Tyre Tyler will come in as the presumed starter in the spring, mm-hmm. but I don't think that's set in stone. And I don't know why. They how set how in stone. great of a, of a situation for coach Munkin is this, you got four guys and any of them could be your starting quarterback. They show up for spring practice and you say, Hey guys, open tryouts, you know, you do just perform and we're going to pick the best one. And you have four guys and any one of them could be that guy. Well, I don't know. I, when you have a guy like Tyler with that much speed, and then you have a guy like Tyrell Robinson who also has that much speed. And then you have an offense where theoretically the speed option or the counter option ought to be staple plays. I would really want to get like a lot of reps in with that, especially when they were struggling to pitch the ball early. I think the biggest thing is—I mean, I thought this was a thing all season—is uh, is the if the offensive line is really good at creating space, you want a speed quarterback in there. You want Tyre Tyler. If they're not, I, I'm yeah. still gonna—I'm still gonna ask for Cade Ballard. <laughs> I mean, I don't want something because we saw this happen last year, right? We had we had Laws, and he got hurt against Air Force on what looked like a pretty cheap hit, and and. You know what? Sometimes that happens, but he's out for the year because he's, you know, a 175 pound guy, you know, can't sustain those kinds of hits in a 13 game season. And eventually they're going to go down. So, uh, you know, we happened a little bit earlier in the season this year with Christian Anderson. And, and you want someone who's not just going to be the best quarterback for game one, but a good quarterback yeah. for all 13 games. Yeah. How, how crazy is it that we went through six quarterbacks? Six. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's madness. Yeah, and you know what? I was surprised. Maybe 
maybe a little surprised because I heard a lot of good things about Christian Parrish, the freshman. And you saw him in I saw him in some, um, you know, preseason uh, scrimmage video having some big runs. And granted, you know, you're not there in person, so you don't know who was in the game, what the plays were. But it seemed like he had a lot of talent. And they tried to even use him out of the backfield earlier in the year. And he kind of, I don't know if it was an injury or he just wasn't, he just wasn't around toward the end of the season. I think that's a kid has a ton of talent too. It's so hard as a plebe to perform to the level that you're going to later in your cadet career. I mean, you know, obviously I played a different sport, but, you know, and I don't think I had like a bad plebe or anything, but it's like, it's like playing with, you know, weights strapped on your shoulders. It's just not, it's not conducive to being your best self. And I think, you know, to when you see plebes in there late in the season, having good plays, like that means that those guys are outstanding. It does, or that the team is desperate. And that's no other way to read that in my opinion. Yeah, so Dan, oh, good. Oh, just real quick. I want to just, if anybody's watching right now, if they have any comments uh, on who their top players were this season or have any, just want to ask us any questions, please feel free. Uh, sorry for interrupting, James. Oh, no. I just, uh, my opinion on what on Dan's biggest snub is uh, Tyrell Robinson. Any, you want to tell us why you didn't put him on your list? I, yeah. Um, All-purpose yards leader. He never he, – he had a lot more potential than actually showed up in games, I think, most of the time. You, I have always thought that if Army could get a real burner to like um, to use the way the Navy used Malcolm Perry when they used him as a slot back to really dictate to the defense, you know, you have to watch this guy or he's going to take it to the house. But we haven't seen that from Tyrell Robinson yet, uh, maybe once or twice early in the season. Uh, and maybe he got nicked up. You know, it's a long season. Plebe year, like I said, dragging on. Uh, certainly he catches very well out of the backfield, which is a very good thing for him to do as a slot back. But they like I want to see him take the speed option pitch to the house like twice. And then let's have this discussion. That right. that I, I and maybe I'm grading him on a curve because I know like I have an expectation in my head of what a guy like that should be able to do. But uh, yeah, he's that's that's what they've got to do. They they got to get him on the edge and he's got to take one of those pitches to the house and force a a change to the game plan. And and that's that's what I need to see. I think that he was a lot more dangerous. I mean, I remember those breakout games he had first and second game of the year. Yeah. He was a lot more dangerous when we were actually running the triple option. And once it came down to running Wildcat Light, yeah. it was the the offenses or at least the the coaching staffs um desire to pitch the ball was very, very low. That's true. You have to call that pitch out of the huddle and yeah. you're not going to call that pitch that often. So his opportunities get severely limited. And you know, they kept calling that counter um I don't know what they, they put him at like the full but yeah that, that counter dive or whatever. And uh, like it's not his fault, but it just never seemed like it was there. And uh yeah I I, I'm I'm not hating on the guy. He has a lot of talent. He made some very good plays, but I do not think that he has had the game that he needs to have. Yeah, yeah, as a he did extremely well. Like it, you could tell this year when they were calling a pitch post Anderson injury that they oh, were yeah. calling, they were calling hard pitches. It wasn't option pitching. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, they, I'm not talking about this the rocket sweeps. I'm talking about right. an option pitch. Right, and, and, and yeah, it, it yeah. happened so so, so rarely. Yeah. You saw maybe one of those a game if you were lucky after the Anderson injury, 
And, and, you know, when you're seeing him get spots, it's a hard pitch to the outside and you're not going to go to the house on those. You're going to, if you're lucky, you pick up eight yards and he had a good amount of those. So I thought he did very, very well for what, for, for the lot he was given this year. Yeah, uh, in our poll, we I put out a Twitter poll on guys who will, who emerge and will have a breakout season. Who will emerge and have a breakout season in 2021? It was four choices. You had these were my four choices that I came up with. Came up with Atkins, Jordan Law, Spencer Jones, or uh, Terrell Robinson. And Robinson, 57 percent, won the poll. So I mean, it's it's a guy that Army fans are pretty high on. Um, you know, you look at guys. We talked about Atkins already in, among that yeah. poll. We talked. Spencer Jones is a guy who comes in. He'll apparent. He's got to be. You think he has to be the heir apparent to Radigan, right? At, at linebacker, since he did replace him in the bowl game, and and you talked about Dan, a freshman, right, being thrown into that situation, and was he perfect? No. Did he hold his own? I think so in that game. So. Well, anyway, of those four choices, Adkins is the one that's going to have the breakout season. So I'm sorry, 57% of you guys are not correct. <laughs> I always think it's harder for a fullback to have a, a breakout season just because we have so many of them. I mean, a breakout season for a fullback is like, all right, he got 400 yards, 450 yards, and he had but, six and, But uh, Andy Wolf had, what, two breakout seasons? I mean, he was the unquestioned leader in the backfield, you know, for at least a full year. But that was – I mean – that's a little bit. I, I think when Wolfick was the was the fullback, we had four guys. And yes, Wolfick was getting thirty percent of the snaps. So uh, thirty to forty percent of the snaps. So so it's it's hard to have a breakout year when you're not going to see the field on fifty percent of plays. Yeah, true. Um, the biggest win for Army this season. I just had two choices, Navy or Air Force, on the poll. Navy. Navy, 60, <laughs> Navy, 67%. Is that something that you guys buy into, that the Navy win was more important? Yeah, I think, the, that, Air Force I think you had 33% of Air Force fans voting in that poll. I, 100% <laughs> of West Pointers will say that the Navy game was the big one. I I, I, yeah. I would rather, and I, and I know that I don't share this opinion with, every, with everyone and all Army fans, but I would rather beat Navy the next 10 years and lose to air force the next 10 years and not win a single commander in chief trophy, then go five and five against each and win five CSEs. Like I it's, it is on another level. I just don't care at all when you're comparing the two. That seems to be the opinion of a lot of people, James Um, defensive MVP was kind of a landslide for John Radigan, 79%. The next guy up was Nolan Cockrell at 11% in the poll. Um, I think as, as Dan and I, we had John as our number one player on, of Army this season. James, what you agree with that, that um, John Radigan was? Yeah, if I were to rank, it would either be uh, Radigan or Eric Smith. They ended up, it was actually crazy, but John Radigan and Eric Smith had the same tackle total on the year, not just total tackles, but solo versus assisted tackles. So they're oh, stats the same. Now, to be fair, uh, Radigan had that positive COVID test in the bowl game. So if he had had that opportunity, he probably would have been the leader. So that, that would have pushed him over the edge in my book. I think, um, I think that, uh, Eric Smith ended up with a few more sacks. Uh, it was 3.5 vice 1.5. Um, so there's that, but uh, Radigan was the big play player. You know, when, when we needed to seal a game against Navy and hop on a, on a bad pitch that was on the, on the turf, who was there to do it? It was John Radigan. Who had a pick six? It was John Radigan. Like 
it, he, he was a big play player all season long. I, I have to defend Eric Smith, though. Um, he had an amazing season, and if he wasn't playing right next to a second-team All-American, he we would still be talking about him quite a bit. Uh, you know, he had the game-sealing interception against Air Force, and I am not even slightly worried about him, you know, as sort of the captain of the linebackers core next year. Like, he's going to be great, and I'm actually really looking forward to that. So It's, uh, it's kind of wrong, I think. Is it used, we used to say, you know, King and Timph, right? Those yeah, were the guys, right. right? But but nobody says Radigan and Smith, and they really should, right? Like 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 they really are two fantastic linebackers. Well, King and Timph just played next to each other for three years, so right. You know, right. we had so long to get used to them as a pair. Uh, Eric Smith has been next to you know Cole Christensen, and now uh, John Radigan. He happens to have been next to guys who are getting NFL looks. Yeah. Right. I Here's a question for you guys. Linebacker combos, King and Tim, Christensen and Nautical, uh, Radigan and Smith. Who you got? Who is, uh, who is the better, better? better I, I guess I, I'm going to have to take King and Tim just because um, they played together longer and because, um, you know, King just made it into the fully funded law education program after yeah. being an Army Ranger. And he is going to be a really excellent, like, model of what you can be as an as a West Point graduate. So um it's unfair, but that's that's where I, my head is. Gotcha. I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat a little bit. I think the most iconic picture of Army linebackers was that 2016 Army Navy game where they're coming out of the tunnel ready to end the streak and they're lined up how they line up on the field that it was Brinson, yeah. King, Inf and Noctegal. Yep. And it was just the four of them walking out side by side onto the field and you saw that and you're like, yep, no, nope, this is the year it's ending. Yeah, yeah, there's no way these guys are letting Navy put enough points on the board. I, I, I my personal would be um, Nautical and uh, Christensen. I just really? Wait. Yeah, I, I don't know. Just because of the way the way they ended, right? The way it ended for that that duo where they just dominated that that bowl game against Houston. Nautical had a big, big, uh, big plays in that, and Christensen was always around the ball, knocking away passes in the end zone. That were. You know, two-year captain too, just like Tim. And I, I would, personal favorite would be Nautical, Nautical and Christensen, just mm. in my opinion. Um, offensive MVP in our poll was kind of interesting. 31% for Buchanan, 30% for Tahir Tyler. So it was really close and probably the last vote might have clinched it for Buchanan. Um, my personal offensive MVP would have been Mike Johnson. Where do you guys go? Um, I, it's, it's a little hard to, especially like from TV copy to say this offensive lineman is so great. And mm -hmm. like, we just don't have those looks. We don't know what they're supposed to be doing. Um, you know, every week it seems like, uh, coach Munkin would come out and say, well, Mike Johnson had, you know, 25 knock knockdown blocks. Yeah. And there's no question that he was a settling leadership influence. You know, you got the picture of him in the bowl game, physically dragging Tyler Tyler back from talking smack to the West Virginia guys. So I don't have an issue saying that he was the MVP. Did I have him as my top? I did. I had him as my top offensive player. Um, it's just it's a little easier to vote for the skill position guys because we see them with the ball. Yeah, James, who who would be your offensive MVP? I would say Buchanan. I I just think that stat line of all year, uh, he had zero lost yards. I mean, that's what our, the Army offense is about, yeah. and he executed it to a T. Um, in his breakout season, he had, he had 111 rushes. He had more rushes than anyone except for Tyler. Um, 4.3 yards a carry. Uh, That's outstanding. Never, never lost a yard for 
a guy that we had never seen before. So, I, I mean, 4.3 yards per carry is what you expect out of Wolfuck and Davidson. And we're seeing it out of Buchanan. So I, I'm, I'm going to hand it to him. Well, plus, you know, he, he played through that last quarter in the Air Force game on a busted wheel. And still made it happen. That was super impressive. I mean, it was really impressive. He gave me a heart attack on the fourth try, but he he made it happen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one poll that I didn't put out, but just uh, wanted to get your guys' feedback on this play of the year. What do you think was the biggest play of the year? I know I was going to put up a couple for the poll. I just wanted to get your you guys your guys' opinion on what the play of the year was for Army football in twenty twenty. Uh, go ahead, James. I, I think I know what you're going to say, but I want to see if I'm right. Oh, I, I don't. I don't think so. My my play of the year was the uh, the fumble against Navy that went out of bounds. Uh, that, was, <laughs> <laughs> that was the play. That was the biggest oh swing. That was the biggest swing in winning percentage for the biggest game of the year. I mean, Navy picks that up and they go back and score a touchdown. Navy is likely to win that game from that point going forward. They don't get it. Harding boots a punt deep into Navy territory. Into Navy territory, Navy can't do much with it. They punt it back. We score the only touchdown of the game on the next drive. So, um, I mean, that was the single play that had the biggest swing uh, from one team to the other, and it was in the biggest game of the year. So, uh, I would say it was the uh, the fourth down stop in the Army Navy game. Because it, same, essentially the same logic, you know, Navy, their whole game plan was to have their defense hold us in check until their athletic young quarterback can break one run and do something with it. And that worked like both the game plans worked. So it ended up coming down to four or five plays that, that determined the difference. That one with the fumble out of bounds, uh, Radigan's fumble recovery, the fourth down stop, and then Army scoring when they got into uh yeah, so Frederica Daniels said goal line stand. Yeah, that's, that's exactly <laughs> right. That I mean, it's, it's much easier to pick goal line stand because, you know, Army actually did something good on that play. Um, <laughs> whereas the other one is just pure luck. Oh, they um, won nine games. Come on, man. That, that yeah. makes it so oh, no, I'm saying I'm saying in that – in the in the Navy game. Um, oh. It's 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 much easier to, to pick that play. I, I know I've, I've told uh, Daniel this before – but I'm watching, you know, where I am with a whole bunch of Navy players around uh, or not Navy players, Navy grads around and Navy fans around. I'm the only West Point fan there. And my hand, my head is in my hands as I'm watching it through the TV and they're all celebrating. It goes out of bounds. And I was more ecstatic at that moment than I was like the entire rest of the season. So that's what pushes it for me. Um, Mrs. Daniels is actually Markel Broughton's mom. So Mar- oh. Markel Broughton's mom. Oh. Chiming in with a yeah with her opinion. Hey, I had I I had uh, Markel. I was the only one. So, <laughs> uh, James, James, James. I had uh, Markel on my list at number seven. Oh, you did. He made the he made the uh, second down tackle right in that same stand. Didn't he have the tackle on the outside on second down? Am I remembering um, that correctly? Yeah, I'm not sure. He he is a strong safety. He was one of the best strong safeties we've had in a while. Yeah. His, his ability to not commit pass interference penalties was uh, <laughs> un, unprecedented in, Army, in recent Army football. So um, I, I was a fan of that. My, my play of the year is going to be – I got to be different. So I'm going to go with Cunningham chasing down our line to um, prevent the touchdown oh, okay. and leading yeah. to the, the, the goal line stand. That would be my play. You know, was it reminiscent of John Boyd? It was different. It was a, taken on a different angle, but just the hustle to get there and stop Erline from getting into the end zone, I thought was 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 one of 
more my more and also Dan, one of mine is actually Mike Johnson taking the players out of the end zone to prevent a fight or yeah. a potential fight during the bowl game. I thought that that was well, that or even was just a penalty. Yeah, to me. yeah. So yeah, um, my other my other play was the touchdown against Navy. Mm-hmm. And it, it seems kind of silly, I guess, because Army got the ball on what, like the seven yard line and they didn't have to really go that. Maybe they got it on 13, but they it's not like they had to drive super long to get that touchdown. However, they had not done anything. And, you know, they ran it in from five yards out. Look good doing it. Um, I, I really think if, that if they needed to, if they needed to find another gear, I really think that they could have moved the ball more effectively. You know, it seemed like late in the game, they found something on offense and. Yeah, I think they were more willing to take risks later in the game because they had that lead and it wasn't the end of the world if you give up a long interception um, or, or something or something bad happened. So they, they were more willing to take that risk later to try to seal it. And and they were able to. But um, but yeah, they certainly were far more conservative earlier. Yeah, I think that Navy game will go down certainly uh, as a game to remember for a long time, especially when you can put up that stat of a goose egg, right? That's something that's yeah. always going to be referenced mm-hmm. right till now, until whoever forever in that rivalry now. So that's something that you know, yeah, the, the, the game to end the streak, the Navy streak was a big win for Army. I'm not going to compare this year's win over Navy to that, but it's maybe not too too many notches down below that as importance in the. There's, of course, the history of the rivalry, right? I mean, that's it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's a big deal. So, well, you know, for the longest time, um, it, it, when I was a cadet, you, I always thought like Army's going to win this game. Like that's just kind of the way it was in the '90s. You know, Army oh, definitely yeah. got the best of this rivalry all the time, and it seems like we're finally sort of getting back to where Army is on top of this rivalry after a long period down, which is you know pretty amazing, all things considered. I mean, four of the last five is yeah. a huge difference than losing the last two and winning three before that. I mean, it's it's just night and day, uh, and four of the last five is is pretty meaningful. So, especially when you throw three CICs in there. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why I even put out the poll. It should have just been one choice. Right? <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I even yeah. put out that poll. But uh, hey, guys, it's been a lot of fun breaking down these our, our player list and. Basically, we kind of reviewed the season in a nutshell, too, going over some important points. Is there anything that we might have missed on your guys' end that you'd like to address before we get out of here? Uh, no, I, I think we're good. Um, Asforfootball.com, at, at Asforfootball, that's us. Uh, but, you know, that's it. James, you have anything to, to add? Any party? No, I, I enjoyed it. Thanks for having us. No problem. Great having both of you on. And uh, follow us. we got a lot of exciting stuff coming up on podcast this week. We're going to have um, Bob Beretta, hopefully, um, on Tuesday night. Oh, he just got promoted. Yeah, he just got – well, promoted. he got hired as the new LeMoyne Athletic Director. He's been with Army for 30 years. I'm sure he has a lot of stories. I want to talk about the one story uh, during the snow game in 2012 where I had to sleep in the press box that night <laughs> because we couldn't get out of post. You know, I want to, talk, I want to bring that one up. That's one of the highlights of my – my reporter's career there. And uh, we'll talk about that. We're going to have, um, we hope to have Ben Totwika on this week uh, with Steve Anderson. We're going to bring Ben on the 96 captain and a guy, uh, Justin Schaaf, who played during Steve Anderson's era as a defensive undersized defensive lineman. He's now involved with the Atlanta Falcons and their kind of front office type staff deal. So we're going to have a lot of stuff coming up. Uh, really appreciate you guys coming on and for everybody. Thanks for joining us and have a great night. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to the Black Knight Nation podcast with your host, Sal Interdonato. For more information on your Army Black Knights, visit BlackKnightNation.com. And be sure to subscribe, follow, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app.